episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you, Chris? I am doing just fine and dandy, Jody. How are uh, you? I'm doing all right. In fact, I'll add the word ducky to that. Fine, dandy, and ducky. Damn, I can't even top that. That's amazing. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Woohoo! I got great. one up again. Yay! Yay! Um, I can actually let a little bit of news out for me. That's fun. Um, oh, what? what oh, I, do I tell. Was, well, I, I hinted at um, a few episodes ago that um, I was working on this artist, this British artist, is named David Haynes. And, Does he drink uh, tea? I'm sure he does. Yeah, he's a, he's a really really good guitar player. Uh, very much steeped in like the old school uh, English kind of classic rock type of thing. But his album uh, was dropped off to me today that I I mixed for him. Dropped so, off is uh, in like you now have like a CD of it or like you I had to download physical, it. No physical actual CD. Was so, this the uh, USPS that delivered this? This was Mr. Haynes himself Ooh. drove this past. Oh, so he drugs. lives in L.A. and he's getting out away from the shelter-in-place command. He, um, well, he was wearing a mask and plastic gloves in his car. So, <laughs> well, yeah. good for him. Well done, yeah, you. But that, yeah, but that was kind of cool. So I got that and uh, listened to it. I didn't master it, obviously. I mixed it, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to it and see what it sounds like. So, and we yay. can find this on like Spotify and iTunes and all that fun stuff. It should be, yeah. I think the official release date he set was May first. So by the time this airs, yes, it will be definitely out. Yeah, good. Yeah. So there was that. But um, I guess we'll just dive into the episode, shall we? Yeah, we should just go head first right into it. This today is part two of mixing lead vocals. And we're going to discuss some slightly different characteristics. And if you're yeah. watching the video, you just about got poked in the eye. Yeah, <laughs> don't poke people in the eye. Um, yeah, today we're, we're dealing with part two of mixing lead vocals. And last episode, we talked about having and consolidating our lead vocal onto one track. And we went into fairly in depth with uh, how we like to approach compression ratios and, and how much we do that. So we're not going to go into as much this time. We're going to talk about a different technique. Um, yeah. But if you're interested in that, go back and listen to that Part episode. one. Part one of this It's the one prior to this one. Yeah. <laughs> so since it's part two, yes, we're dealing with lead vocals on more than one track. That's right. I think, right. you know, because two is more than one. More is more, isn't it? <laughs> more is more. That is yeah. correct. The so, infamous the infamous drummer from Rush, Mr. Neil Peart, once said, less is less, more is more. There you go. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. <laughs> right. <laughs> and less is not necessarily more. Less is just less. More is less more. Less is always less. It doesn't necessarily mean better, but less is always less and more is always more. Right. And that more doesn't mean better either. So. Yeah. But so it's the more. whole concept of less is more. Meh. Yeah. Let's bury that now. Meh. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And just like Ingve said, how can less be more? More is more. That's correct. Um, yeah. Um, Silly so, sweets. So why would you have your lead vocal on more than one track, Jody? Why would I do it? It's, it's, it's an organizational thing for me. Mm -hmm. I very much like to organize verses to verses if there's pre-choruses, pre-choruses to pre-choruses, choruses to choruses, 
bridges to bridges, B parts to B parts, A parts to A parts, C parts to C parts, whatever you call them. Right. I like to kind of group things in that nature. Now, yeah. that being said, there are some times when I mix on the single lead vocal on a single channel thing, but quite often, quite, 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 quite often, probably 90% plus, I am doing multiple lead vocal tracks. Yeah. Yes. And that's just for you to have more control over individual each individual section. Of the song that is for correct. Processing. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. I have become Another this weird, like, nutcase over making sure that lead vocals become their own entity for every section of a song. And tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not. That's it. Done. Episode's over. We're done. Yep. Five minutes. It's done. Uh, no. That's the way you're going to react, man. <laughs> All right. I'm through. I can't do this anymore. No. Essentially, what I mean by that is, is that I really like each vocal to have its own dynamic space. And it's much easier to apply that using lead vocal for verses on a track. Lead vocals for a pre-chorus on a track. Lead vocals, bleh, lead vocals for choruses on a track, and so on. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes it's, absolute it's, sense. It becomes yeah. a lot less cumbersome from the automation standpoint to deal with individual part lead tracks for me, considering the sheer amount of nuttiness that I throw at vocals. Right. And there, I think um, that's a very important point there, um, because the stuff that you tend to do now, I'm talking about your music now, not stuff that you do for other people where you still might approach it the same way. But you tend to do music that that's generally sort of like in the pop genre. To an extent, and, yes. To an extent. Well, to I'm, a good I'm extent. painting with very broad strokes here. Whoops, very oops, broad. Hello. And the guitar decided to speak at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, the lead vocal is most certainly king up front. And you... Well, yeah, tend, I'm not Ingve Malmsteen, damn it. Right. Um, but... Um, in the music that you make, you tend to have a lot more things happen to the vocal in different sections of the song as well. Bingo! So the processing there might be different. You might have a completely different uh, reverb or maybe even some modulation things going on in a verse, for example. Um, and, you know, you may also have, we touched on this briefly, uh, in last episode, but you might have a completely different proximity effect in the yep. vocal. Yep. So you, you, if you apply the same kind of EQ for that as you would in a verse where you're, or in a chorus part or pre-chorus part, it might not be suitable. So you end up, instead of having to EQ or automate EQ curves, you just have a completely different track and treat them accordingly. So in this case- And I need a sound effect right now that shows me shaking my head up and down, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the head bobber, yeah. Um, so um, where we talked last episode about um, keeping a mix simple by having everything on one track, and manageable. Well, we didn't this really is, say the KISS method of keep it simple, stupid. 
No, but but keeping, I think we use the phrase manageable. Manageable, but yes, manageable, definitely manageable. But, but in this case, you having more tracks actually makes it more manageable because of the way that you're ending up treating them. That is correct. Right. I so, find it much more manageable because of the way things happen from part to part. I like to treat parts as their own entities within a building, a foundation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So now also we're, we're not talking about necessarily vocal parts where it might be some like producer candy where it might be a throw somewhere, a vocal throw. We're talking about the actual lead vocal the actual lead in vocal. different part yeah. of, uh, of the song. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what are some things that you might do differently to vocals in between different parts? Things I might do differently. Well, in... Well, let's take an example of a song that I was throwing a mix from Logic and recreating it in Luna yesterday. Mm -hmm. I have different lead vocal lines for each part, for the verse, for the pre-chorus, for the chorus, and for the bridge. And each one of those gets a different set of effects because of the way the song is structured. So my my verse vocal in that particular song is actually a fair amount drier than the chorus vocal because the chorus is so ginormous. And mm -hmm. oddly enough, the title kind of lends itself to that. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's called Supernova. Um, Self-promo alert. Yep. No, 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 no. I don't even want no. to say the title anymore. Done. But the the verse has an entirely different effect because it's a little bit more intimate. That's the way I came across with the mix on it. So the reverbs and the delays that I use and the effects that I use on the verse vocal are entirely different from the verse and chorus and the pre-chorus vocals. So on that particular verse, I'm using a very short slap on mm -hmm. the verse vocal coupled with yet another reverb that is a very light tail that doesn't tail off for a very long time, just to give mm -hmm. some additional space in the rhythmic sense. Then it uses a stereo delay as well. That is a short stereo delay. In the chorus, I use a different slap that has a slightly different pre-delay to it, so it gets a different rhythmic value. Then I combine it with a slightly longer, more airy, fairy dust, as you would say, reverb tail. Yeah. And then from there, I use a different stereo delay along with a very long delay. Okay. That tucks so you, in underneath. So you're building this as you're- I'm building As it. the song is advancing. Yes. And then, of course, when it comes off the chorus and goes back to the next verse, it takes all of that back to what the first verse has. So it brings it back down. So it builds over time, section for section. Mm -hmm. And that becomes easier when I'm using separate lead tracks per part. If I were to do all of that on the same lead vocal from beginning to end in the song, I'd have probably 14 sends going on and <laughs> yeah. a, a plethora of automation things to worry about 
Whereas yeah. when I have it on each individual track, I do the sends. I don't have to automate those sends and I don't have to worry about turning them on and off in various values. So I can just do the track, the sends and bust them and be done with it much easier in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does get, even though you're dealing with more tracks, it does get cleaner and in the sense of, of automation and mixing and all this kind of stuff, they, it, you, yes. you're doing the heavy lifting by separating the tracks, essentially. Correcto. Yeah. Correcto. And, um, just so in that regard, I get a lot yeah. more control over the individual effects that are happening per section. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to spend a whole lot of time on it because we, we went relatively in depth last episode, but... In the case that you're describing now, um, how different will, in a general sense, your EQ and uh, compression settings be uh, on each vocal? Do you have? Do you find yourself having a certain starting point, or finding like, no, I, I need to um, treat this drastically different, or, or how does that usually lend itself to your workflow? Here comes that phrase again, program dependent, take a shot. <laughs> we made it to 14 minutes this time. About that, yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it is program dependent. Uh, fortunately, if I'm the one doing the tracking before the mixing, generally speaking, the EQ values are not super drastic from part to part. Mm -hmm. So it becomes easier to deal with. Uh, and in that regard, what, most of the time, unless it's something that needs to be a substantial artistic, creative function of the EQ, the EQ from section to section is actually the same EQ settings generally mm -hmm. with one minor difference. And what be that? That generally, at this point in time in my mixing career... The MOG EQ, the EQ4, with its lovely airband, air mm -hmm. that airband will actually be adjusted from part to part. What so a while very I, Jody thing to do. <laughs> right? Very Jody thing to do. Uh, so I will do my general EQing for what the vocal might need, whether it might be with an API channel strip or whatever EQ that I tend to think of at the time of the song, of like, this will be the right EQ for everything. I then will do another, the, e, the MOG EQ after it, and the only EQ part that I tend to use most often, sometimes I'll use other parts of it, but most often it's the airband on the MOG right. EQ. And yeah. say that if I have it set to... 20K on the verse with a 2 dB boost. On the pre-chorus, it might go to 2.5 or 3 dB. On the chorus, it might go to two, uh, 3 to 3.5 three dB. So I, I'll bring the air band up to kind of ex bring the excitement level of the air in the EQ section from part to part. Yeah. And that would be the minute difference between sections on the EQing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that's yeah. something that, that we've we've talked about a little bit in prior episodes here as well. But a phrase that you and I like to use when we talk privately here as well is that might not seem like much, but it's all of those little differences compounded over yes. a mix that, that add that, up that 
yeah they add up it's like it's it's a one percent there and it's one percent there and all of a sudden it's like these slight changes that that can have a bigger impact on your mix than you might think very much um, so yeah it's just that little hint of extra excitement in the eq that just makes it stand out Ever I'll have so to try little. that. I, I've never done that with the airband kind of thing. So I'll, I'll have to I'll have to try that and see what when that might be an appropriate. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not 100% of the time, but generally when that happens, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. doing. That's the differences yeah. in the EQ. Now, right. mind you, if it's something that deals more with a proximity problem, well, that's a mm -hmm. whole different ballgame. Right. And I'm going to attempt to fix all of that before I get to the the mix prep stage like i will hopefully get most of the vocals within the same eqable range when i go to bounce everything out for the mix template that i use right before you're starting to before i'm even getting there yeah. Yeah. yeah so but we're talking about the actual mix mix process so we've already we've already made the assumption that that has happened that the mix prep was done correctly and i don't have to do drastically weird eq things while I'm actually mixing. Right. Yeah. So. And this is a process that you would go through even though, um, let's say it's a, a project that you get that you're just going to mix. Yeah. So that you get all the tracks you look, go through or here, here's a potential problem, blah, blah, blah. You go through and fix that as best as you can. Then a whole new session go in and, and, and start the actual mixing. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. <coughs> yes. The, uh, yeah, we talked about that as well, but but again, it's like nothing kills the workflow more when you're sitting and you're trying to be creative with a mix and try to move fast to keep that sort of freshness and, and objective um, view of the mix. And then you go, oh man, I gotta tune this vocal or I gotta get rid of that squeaky kick drum or whatever it happens to be. And it's like, oh, grinding to a halt. So yeah. Grind, um, grind. So, um, Slave to the ground. So EQ and, and compression are relatively similar. Now, um, you talked about having a different slap, a different sort of like pre-delays, that kind of thing, to mm -hmm. create just something different. Um, what are other things that you may do? Because we have some extreme things that we've kind of done when we've collaborated on stuff as well, where we've used some hardcore kind of vocal processing to kind of blend in there too. Um, oh, well. do but, tell. Remind me, please. Well, this was um, Vocal Synth, was it? Vocal from, Synth? Yeah, from yeah, the good people that's of Isotope. a fun one from Mr. Isotope Company. Yes. I don't know. It's not um, the real great. <laughs> Isotope is the yeah, company. Right. Um, where we've had that and had some where just sounds like this demonic voice coming at you right um <laughs> yeah but but, but having something use. like that yeah to um it doesn't have to be used that extremely but but that's that's one case that i'm thinking about where um you've outputted one of those for me to mix and then we're, we're just blending that in blending and it in it, yep yeah even though it's not necessarily up front um in the mix but but it, it's tucked there and it, again it's one of those like little production candy type of things that, that you might, you know, third time you listen to the piece when you got your headphones on, it's like, oh, what the hell is that? You know, that sounds kind of <laughs> cool. But but it does add another dimension, you know? That reminds me. Somebody once made a comment about one of my songs, like, what the hell was that? Flying cars? 
That was a rough sample to capture, right? <laughs> right. Essentially, it's the concept of like, why does this rock song have all of this pop-flavored candy going on in it? It's like, well, to make people say, what the fuck is that? Flying cars? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things that might not be obvious at the first time you're listening to it, but yeah, uh, yeah, those are cool things. Um, so, what what else do you tend to do when you're using this sort of like? It, so, how much of this is going to be parallel processing, Jody? Almost a hundred percent of it, really. Uh, on the individual tracks themselves, it's going to be the compressor or the limiter, and then the EQ. And when I say limiter, I'm referring to things like the 1176, because that to me almost denotes limitation more than compression, even though it's probably considered a compressor. But yeah. its its gate is so fast in a sense of when it clamps down on things that it becomes more like a limiter to me. So mm -hmm. depending on the vibe that I want coming out of it, the kind of crunch or the kind of flow or the feel, I'm going to choose the compressor that goes to that. And generally, I'm going to use the same compressor or limiter on each section, I might tweak the amount that it's hitting each vocal line yeah. from section to section, but it's not going to be drastic. It's just like the EQ. It's just one little bit that might right. change from here to there. And that might come down to a performance thing as well, right? It does. Where, where you might, yeah. if you're projecting more, you might have to hit it a little harder or just back off on automation or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, so but that's a performance Besides thing. that, so what about spatial effects and that kind of thing? Um, that's all going on sense, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, everything, everything that is not like the compressor and the EQ is going to ascend. Yeah. 100%. Very rarely would I ever throw the reverb on the vocal or the delay on the vocal, on the channel strip of the vocal that I'm mm -hmm. dealing with, unless it's a background thing. But that's not what the, we're not talking about backgrounds today. We're talking about leads. Yeah. So leads will like, it's probably 99.9999 to infinity percent that I n will put the actual effect on the channel strip. It's always going to be a bus. Yeah. Literally, literally always. And it's sending to a bus. So in that regard, it will be parallel and then coming back. Now, how about the return on those buses? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that now you have, let's say, three lead lines. You got a verse, a pre-chorus and a vocal. Those are then in turn outputting to a master vocal bus? No. No. No, I separate my lead vocal lines to a bus and my background vocal lines to a bus. Yeah, but so there's two buses yeah. before they hit the overall vocal bus. Right, but we're talking about, okay, so you're sending all these three lead lines to a lead vocal bus, and but what happens to the effects, the, the effects returns? Do they go to the same bus or do you have yes. a separate? Yes. They go to the lead vocal bus and then on through to the master vocal bus. That's correct. So okay. when I have effects that are affecting the lead vocal bus or mm -hmm. the lead vocal, they will also feed to that lead vocal bus right. so that I can hit mute and all the lead vocals, including the effects that go with them, gone. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, when, we ever, when we get to a background vocal episode, same story there. All background vocals go to a background vocal bus all their effects go to the background vocal bus, 
boom, done. And yeah. then the lead vocal bus and the background vocal bus then feed to a master vocal bus for all the vocals. Right. And the reason you're doing this is something that we both learned through workflow there. And I think we talked about this a little bit when it comes to when we talked about workflow and sure. mixing. But um, if you're in a situation where you're outputting different versions of a mix or you're, you're an instrumental version or whatever type of version, mm -hmm. it makes that process a lot easier. So it's just... See, senor. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things that, you know, from experience, you've kind of learned to do that just to kind of uh, hedge your bets and, and knowing. Um, it makes or, it uh, a hell of a lot easier on the outputting of various versions of songs. There you go. I various couldn't have said versions. it more eloquent than that <laughs> uh, well you were um, trying i just I was jumped trying in. <laughs> you gotta give me an e for effort there um again i'm not from your country um that's my main excuse for everything when and I english stumble. is your second language <laughs> <laughs> yes this is true um damn it jody you ruined my uh my your cop flow? out damn. yeah no but just my cop out um okay. no but um that's something that that just through our experience and we've we've sort of arrived at at similar uh, conclusions there. With the, the more control that you have at that stage, and that that's why we're using these multiple buses. It's not just that we're champion for the the world champion in in audio busing, right? Because I, I think that would always be. Michael Brower, probably, but um, <laughs> no, that guy wins the award for every bussing thing possible. Yeah, he's not even in the running anymore, so they just <laughs> named after him now, right? It's kind of um, like Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, you're done. You can't do this anymore. You, you just, you know, um, no. But in all seriousness, so then um, after that, well, well, then that's it essentially for for having your vocals on separate tracks and that's the main benefit now one thing that we didn't mention today but we did mention in the prior episode is another good reason for having your lead vocal on a separate track it's not necessarily always for processing but it is if you have overlapping lines like so let's say yep. that you're coming out of a chorus or there's a call and response type of line that type of thing you're pretty much forced to do that yeah you have um, to use multiple lines for that otherwise yeah. you get something cut off and it sounds funky it does sound funky um so and with funkiness we should probably say and now it's time for a word from our illustrious sponsors while we don't like to do it they do Anything else that you'd like to cover with that? I think we've covered that. There's a lot of benefits of doing it this way, unless you're um, dealing with, well, there really isn't any unless. <laughs> I was to say, if you have a, a, um, a track that has, or, or a project that has up towards 100 different tracks going at the same time, and it can be hard to, to manage. Um, Consolidate as much as you can, but but you got to be have a little bit of foresight as well. So there might be better option of, of massaging that track count down to a more manageable level. Why um, it could be guitar parts, it could be keyboard. But we're not parts, talking about guitars. We're talking about lead vocals. That's right. So the point I, w I wanted to make was that the first call of action might not be to to cut down and consolidate the vocal tracks. Right. Um, if you're 
planning to do the kind of production that we're talking about today. The crazy so, stuff, the yeah. stuff that makes me go, what was, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but, um, obviously again, style dependent here, but once you start adding these little small differences again, right, it could be like you mentioned, like you have a different pre-delay on your slap going into the pre-chorus. Mm -hmm. um, probably not super noticeable to most people right off the bat. But again, it's that little percentage that, that keeps accruing over the time you mix and uh, you end up with a uh, well, cooler result, really. <laughs> well, a result that might make people sit there and go, I wonder what I, what? Okay. They may not know what they've just yeah. heard, but yeah. they heard it and it makes them, it makes them do the RCA Victor dog. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, even if people don't notice, you know that you did it. And that's kind of like the, the bottom line as well. <laughs> and right? That's, and that's the winning gold medal right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it, I mean, we, we can laugh about it and sort of half jokingly, but I think it's taking that sort of professional pride, right? And even if you're doing little changes that nobody might ever pick up on, you know that you did it and you took the time to care to do it a certain way because, because you care about the end result. So, um, and it's tremendous fun too, isn't it? Right? You know? Yeah. That's the fun part when you can throw something into a mix that people may or may not notice. But you know. But you know. And then somebody else comes along and says, wait a minute. What, what, what was what that? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So lead vocals on multiple tracks. Yes, sir. Could be the order of the day. Well, it is the um, order of the day, and it's my favorite way, generally yeah. speaking, to work. Yeah. Maybe you should do a two-minute Tuesday tip on how you might treat vocals differently on that, just as a quick example to show I people. I think that's a wise idea. There's our two-minute Tuesday tip right yep. there. How there you go. can split vocals apart and what you would do different between sections. There you go. Yeah, there baby. You go. All right. Is that going to do it, Jody? I think that Anything that you'd like to add? I think that will be uh, good well, enough for... just to remind people, we did go way more in depth with... Way more in depth with dealing about compression and EQ and reverbs and delays and all of that fun, good stuff that was dealt heavily in last week's episode, part one of the lead vocal mixing podcast of inside the recording studio. Yeah. So, so go back and get, listen if you need. Yeah. More. If you haven't a little bit more meat on the bone there, but um, there we go. And what a bone it is. Absolutely. <laughs> and with that, I'll say, see you later, Chris. See you, Jody. Thanks for listening and watching if you are and have an awesome rest of the day, huh? <laughs>